At Can't Stop Endurance, we work with runners from beginner to advanced, from rookies to marathon champions. We provide personalized coaching to help endurance athletes reach their personal goals. Whether it's a 5K or 100-mile ultra, we have been there as coaches and athletes. Coach Kevin serves as the national coach for the St. Jude Heroes program. And I'm Coach Holly, and I'm a varsity cross-country coach. And now, here's Coach Kevin. Welcome back, Coach Holly. Welcome back, Coach Kevin. I love doing this podcast with you. Mm-hmm. As always. So much fun. You know what else I like doing with you? What? Is our teaching our running form clinic. I know. We've done two in the past month. Yeah, that, I really enjoy that. I think I texted you after that one or the next day and said, when are we doing the next one? Because... I love, well, first of all, we just love helping people to run, and that's a very rewarding thing to do to help people reach their goals, but just in that hour and a half where we go through the form cues, and we talk about cadence, and we watch them run, and we to watch it all come together for them is pretty cool to see, because I've only done a couple with you as a coach, and so I've never been on that side of it. I've been on the other side of it, but to watch people say, oh, I get it now. Yeah. I feel the difference. The lights come on. Yes. And you know, if, if a if a bystander was sitting over on the edge of the track watching, they really wouldn't notice much difference. Yeah. But we're watching them and you see where they start that 90-minute clinic mm-hmm. and where they end up and how much smoother they feel. Yeah. I like what they're feeling. Smoother, more efficient, not as pounding. Yep. Uh, I, I just love teaching that class because mm-hmm. it's such a you're giving that runner something that's going to help them for the rest of their running career. Oh, for sure. I mean, I did your form clinic five years ago and it's helped me ever since then. Yeah. I had some coaches teach me 10, 12 years ago and I'm still using those same drills mm-hmm. and form cues. And so, yeah, good. If we can encourage you to to find a coach that teaches a form clinic, go find it because yeah. it'll, it'll pay dividends for the rest of your running career. Mm-hmm. Do that. What else are you hearing about these days, Holly? Oh, well, According to my watch, it is May 24th, and I think last week, about a week ago today, was when the heat and the humidity blanketed over Memphis. Summer pulled up, and Mm -hmm. we've had a cooler than normal spring. For sure. And then all of a sudden, it was 90 degrees and 80% humidity. Within a day, I remember the day it happened, I walked out for, I think at the end of the school day when, and I just, I was like, oh, it just happened. It is here. So and it, we're getting all the emails and all the texts right now about running and heat and what's happening with me and I'm tired and sluggish. So yeah. My run felt terrible. Mm-hmm. Felt like I was running in mud. Yep. My pace, I couldn't come close to holding my pace. Yep. And and even though I know it, I forget sometimes with my own running. And as much as we both preach it in our weekly email to all mm-hmm. of our runners, in our and weekly our, our monthly meetings and mm-hmm. texts you forget how drastic the effects of heat and humidity are on your running performance. Yep. And you have to get reacquainted. Hopefully if you're paying attention and you're being a smart runner, that acclimation process goes much quicker. Mm -hmm. If you will adjust your pace, adjust your expectations and pound some water, pound the water Mm -hmm. and the electrolytes. Yep. It's uh, you ignore that. You think you can get away or or beat the heat, and you just can't. No, you can't. I ran yesterday for an hour at 9.30 in the morning, which was probably stupid, but I had meetings and stuff in the morning, and my I was soaked. My shoes were squishy. It was was real. It was gross. But I slowed down, you know, 
two weeks ago, I ran six miles and it was a lot faster. It was yeah. a lot smoother. It felt a lot better. Yesterday was really gross. So you do. You just have to adjust your expectations. And I probably was dehydrated. I've been working a lot. And so I'm going to have to be better about that. And another key to that, though, is you've done this long enough now that you're self-aware that oh, yeah, you know aware. why the run mm-hmm. was gross. You didn't fall out of shape in one week. No, I didn't. It was hot, humid. You were a little underhydrated. Okay, yeah, yeah you were You were. And due. I was working hard. I was working harder yesterday at that slower pace than I was two weeks ago at the at the, at the faster pace. Yeah. Like I, my heart rate was up. I was having to work hard to hold the paces that were slower. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, the the racing season is really kicking off now and people are showing up and before the race they're all lamenting oh it's so hot it's so humid but then after the race they're complaining that they couldn't hold their target pace Mm -hmm. well if you show up for a 5k and let's just pick a number you're trying to run that 5k on eight minutes per mile pace yeah if you go out on pace or even like most runners you go out too fast you're going to pay the price for sure if it's 90 degrees you need to go out five, 10, maybe 15 seconds slower in that first mile to give yourself a shot at a decent race. Otherwise, it's going to come apart. We use adjustments and we put this chart together using some information that we got from okay. him. Yeah. So this time of year, our runners kind of expect an email from us or a text from us with a um, summer pace adjustment chart that we have put together that comes from some information from Coach Mark Hadley. Yeah, his maximum performance running. He's put out a lot of great information on adjusting your expectations and adjusting your paces yeah. for running in the heat. And I think runners always, the number that I used to look at before I knew about this chart was this humidity. I would yeah. look at that. I look at the heat index, which is, I mean, probably a good thing to, to look at and see if it's 104 and, you know, if it's way up there. But what a lot of people don't know is you, it's not the only thing that you should look look at you should also look at what is called the dew point yeah because that's a more accurate measurement of the amount of moisture in the air yeah humidity is a good okay humidity is fine yeah but if you know the dew point that's a little more accurate and dramatic number like today at 11 o'clock it was 90 degrees and the humidity was 55 but the dew point was 70 yeah and so that's a big difference yeah i think runners get fooled either in that equation oh but look the humidity is only 55 55 Mm -hmm. But the dew point was up. You're in a danger zone. Yep. Or the other one is, oh, I'm going to get up and run early because it's supposed it's only going to be 68 in the morning before yep. sunrise. But the humidity is 95. percent Yep. So you're not really you're getting out of the sun, which is good mm-hmm. and better or safer than running at noon in the high sun. But the humidity is what gets you because your body cannot cool itself. Mm-hmm. That natural evaporative cooling system that our bodies have don't work in humidity, and that's the problem. Yeah. So the formula that we take is we take the temperature and the dew point, and you add those two together. So 90 today with a 70-degree dew point is 160. That is dangerous. So at 160, you should adjust your pace by 6 to 8%. And go 6 to 8% slower than you normally would, which 6 to 8% is... It's 30 seconds 30 per seconds mile per for a nine-minute miler. Yeah. Yeah. That's dramatic. But you're getting the same. So so here's what we're trying to say. Using that formula, you need that 6 7 8% pace adjustment to perform the same way you would in good weather. Mm-hmm. You have to trust us that although you're supposed to run nine-minute pace today, you need to back off and run 
9.20 or 9.30, you're going to get the same exact workload and training adaptation as you would at nine-minute pace in good weather. By trying to force your way down to nine-minute pace in this weather is the same as trying to force a good day down to 8.30 or 8-minute. You're overtraining. You're overdoing it. You're going to compromise your recovery. Yep. And in this weather, not only are you overtraining, now you're, you risk overheating, dehydration, heat stroke, all those things. And your next workout's going to be bad. Like every, I mean, yeah. it's, it's going to ruin, it could ruin your entire week, an entire week of training. If not, you keep doing it. It could ruin an entire month and you could quit. You might just become fed up and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. And that's I can't the, do this anymore. The last anymore. thing I want. Yeah. I, had a, I had a meeting this morning with a runner mm-hmm. and she was saying that, we're, we were in our first few months and she noticed she did her speed work on Tuesday night and it was a hot, humid night. Oh, yeah. Had a good workout, mm-hmm. but was still feeling it when it came time for Thursday and Friday's yeah. run. So, okay, right away we've learned with this particular runner, she's going to need an extra day of recovery in between hard efforts in the summer. Yeah. No problem. We'll slide her speed work back a day or move her other, you know, we can adjust that. Mm-hmm. Or if she's got a race coming up, we're going to give her an extra day between that last hard workout and the race because her body just needs that extra day to rehydrate and recover from the heat. So she's getting the same workload. She's going to perform the same, yeah. but you've got to account for those extra stressors. And that's hard. I mean, that's, I think that's hard for a lot of runners to kind of check their ego, right? We say that all the time. You got to check your ego, look at your expectations and say, this is where I am. And this is what everybody has to do right now. And trust us, trust that we know what we're saying. Yeah. And and I think this all kind of wraps up into it. It's hard because it's supposed to be hard mm-hmm. and running in the summer when you live in the South mm-hmm. or a warmer climate, it's hard and you can adjust your workload and your expectations so that you still enjoy your running, but it doesn't get easier. Yeah. You, you're still going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And that's a key part of this. And I think that's why runners always ask me, I run everything in the morning before the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. It's okay. That's good. That because that fits your life. But here's what, here's what we need to do. Cause five summer 5k season is coming. Those are, are all where the sun is up. So let's go seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Right. Once per week, let's do a run in the middle of the day or or before the sun goes out, but it needs to be your really easy recovery run. No stress, Mm -hmm. low heart rate, run it easier thing. But what we want to get used to is the feeling of the sun on your body, the radiant heat on your skin, that feeling of being hot and Mm -hmm. melting in the sun. You need to get used to that. So that what you, you don't... just said is exactly how I felt yesterday. <laughs> right? You get you need that you need to get used to that feeling of hot on your skin. Yeah. It's it's adding a little bit of body temperature, but you get your mind around the fact that okay, there's the sun, it's hot on my skin, I'm getting used to this. Mm-hmm. And you learn to deal with it. So on race day, when it gets hot and it's hard and you're suffering, you're familiar with that situation. Yeah. So that leads us into our topic for today. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about suffering and learning to suffer and the value of learning to suffer. Yeah. If, if you're going to do this, well, and they're all metaphors for life, but yeah. if you're going to do endurance sports, you're going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to learn to suffer and suffering comes in many forms. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot so far about the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Severe weather, either way, severe cold, severe heat, severe humidity. You're going to be suffering in some way, shape or form. There's the suffering. And I, 
don't you think we've talked about this a lot it, it's that's one of the reasons we do it because because it's it's hard it's we're putting ourselves in difficulty and we're learning to overcome and we're learning to test ourselves mm-hmm. yes and, it's one of those things that we've said and I think we even said this in our goals podcast that you want to test yourself. You want to, if we're athletes, we're running for a reason. I know for me, just growing up be, being an athlete, like I constantly like to challenge myself because you learn a lot by challenging yourself and you learn a lot through, I know it sounds cliche, but you do, you learn a lot from your suffering. You learn a lot by overcoming obstacles, learning how to deal and to adjust and not just throw it in, not yeah. just quit, not just say, this is too hard. I can't do this, but to take the lessons from 5Ks, the lesson from my six-mile run yesterday where I needed to be more hydrated, right? Yep. Um, and be better. Grow as a, as a runner and grow as a, as a person. So let's talk about how we do that. I really like the boxing analogy. We've used this before. You know, a boxer, a fighter, they don't just train to go in there and punch people in the face. Oh, they train to get hit. They get. They know that I'm going to come in here and I'm going to punch you, mm-hmm. but there's a good chance you're going to punch me too, and I've got to be ready for that. Football players, you have to do that. You have to feel that pain um, in order to be good at what you do. And that, that teaches us to ignore the body's flight reflex. Mm-hmm. You get punched in the face or punched in the stomach Mm -hmm. or it's hot outside your body's saying oh my god i want this to stop stop punching me in the face Mm -hmm. i'm leaving yeah right well we have to overcome that or we'll never get in the ring to wrap up that boxing analogy we'll never step out the door we'll never show up for a 5k we might quit a 5k yeah yeah so sports aren't easy (laughs) life isn't easy (laughs) you have to develop a tolerable pain threshold and that's mental and physical Mm -hmm. Because it's not all about increasing your VO2 and your lactate threshold and yeah. and running intervals. It's You've got to train the body-mind connection to withstand that discomfort. You know, me coaching a high school cross-country team, you know, me as an adult runner, I can pick and choose when I race, right? I can race once a year if I want to. I can race five times a year if I, if I, if I want to. But during a cross-country season, they're racing every week, if not every other week. And they have one of the things that we do in our training is I put them through workouts and I say, this is the physical part of the day. Like we're doing a tempo run, we're going to do mile repeats, and it's going to do this for your legs. But it's also going to be super hard because you've got to get used to the pain and get used to being uncomfortable. So when it comes race day, it's not a shock to your system. You know where to go. You know what to do. So we've often talked about you know the mental part of running is just as important as the physical. And I'll talk to them about that. Before we do a workout, I'll say, this is what... You're going to feel this physically, mentally, this is what I need you to do. And I often tell them, like, get a mantra in your head, look at a teammate, cheer each other, like, whatever you have to do to get through it, and then take that into race day. So you can, you know how to deal with it, you've done it, and you can do it. Yeah. They know they can, that, that they can push through. And that's training those 15, 16, 17-year-old minds to, to toughen up. That's mm-hmm. good. You're, you're setting the stage for them that here's what it's going to look like and feel like. Yeah. And with our training group the other night, we were doing hill repeats. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time some of this group had ever done hill repeats. And we told them mechanically, here's what you're going to do. But then we told them, here's how hard this should be. Yeah. It should feel like this. Mm-hmm. You should want to quit. You should want to stop and put your hands on your knees. But you don't. You keep going. You get yeah. up and down the hill. And 
and we always throw in that the hill doesn't care. The hill has no emotions. It's just there being a hill. You just go up and down, right? You don't cuss the hill. The hill's there just being a hill. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, another thing, too, that a difference between coaching adults and coaching high school students, you know, they sign up for cross country. They're kids. They're trying to compete. I've had a couple of adults the last month say, what am I trying to prove? This is hard. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, it's, that's on you. What are you trying to prove? Are you trying to, you're an adult and you're trying to have better fitness? Like, I think a lot of people come to us and they want to be coached because they do want to be pushed. They do want to set goals. And when the things get hard for them, we have to say, yeah, you're still choosing to do this. And it's awesome. It is awesome. And I, that's a really good point. I think understanding the why yeah. of what you're doing helps you take the suffering mm-hmm. a little easier. Yeah. If you don't have a why, it's really hard to get up early, mm-hmm. to hydrate, to suffer. To... I've had people ask me that. Why, do you, why are you doing this? Why not? Yeah. I'm trying to push myself. This is, what I, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is how I'm, I'm built, how I'm, I'm wired. And yeah, it might sound crazy that I'm 42 and I'm getting up and running all that I do, but it's just what I like to do. But how many grown-ups walking around get to really test themselves yeah. on a regular basis? Not, it's a small percentage. Oh, yeah. That's why America looks like it does. Mm-hmm. And so many people sit on the couch all day yep. and all night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, you learn to suffer and you it, we pay good money right it's all self-inflicted <laughs> it's all self-inflicted it's all chore. we're choosing to do this and it really applies to everyone you know with our athletes we've got people who are winning races mm-hmm. winning their age group they're suffering just as much their math is just different they're they've got some biomechanical oh, yeah. and physiological gifts that mm-hmm. make them go faster when they do the work. Other people are suffering just as much, just as much just to run their first 5k, mm-hmm. right? It, it, so this applies to everybody. So if you're out there listening and you're like, well, you know, I don't really, I'm not really trying to win anything. Yeah. But you want to do your best. It's a test of self. You know, it's, it's not, you know, I have a runner who's going to run a 5k in a couple of weeks and she said, I'm not trying to win. I know I'm not going to win. I just want to beat my own time. I'm just testing myself, and I want to be better than I was in January. Love that. Yeah. Love that. And that's and I think that's hard for people to, you know, when they say, I'm like, oh, I finished in this time, and I was 20th place. Why am I doing this? But it's not about, I think it's hard for people to, because we all compare ourselves, right? And mm-hmm. it's hard for people for us to not look at what so-and-so is doing. Um, and so I, that took me a while to, to learn and I'm still not great at it, but I think I've gotten better at saying it's not about her. It's not about her. It's about me. And last January, I ran a 24 minute 5k and in August, I want to try to do a 23 minute 5k. And so, yeah, so that's, that's my own, you know, yeah, I'm choosing to do it by my own, putting myself through the pain and just trying to be, I mean, yes, I'm trying to be a better runner, but I think in the end it just makes me a better person too yeah and i crave that as an athlete i always have but as a coach it's really cool to it's watch challenging do that. it's challenging mm-hmm. to get people to willingly pay the price of admission and yeah. suffer so let's talk about let's talk about 5ks oh if if you want to talk about a cage match <laughs> whether we're talking about your pr or you just want to improve or with your current fitness run as well as you can yeah 5k is gonna hurt oh yeah and not for three miles 
it's going to hurt for that last mile, mm-hmm. right? If that's why people go out so fast in a 5k, because it's so easy to go out too fast in a yep. 5k. So how do we do that? Well, you have to simulate the trauma of the last mile of a 5k in your training. So that's why we do hill repeats. The other night, Tuesday night, we had the training group They were doing hill repeats and they had two left. And I said, was they, as they came down to the bottom and turned around, I said, okay, now I want you to picture that 5k you're doing next week yeah. and put yourself in the last half mile and give it all you got going up this hill. So they'll, and they're spent, they're spent, but they're there and now mentally, they when they get, get there. to that race next weekend, mm-hmm. they can think back to, oh yeah, we were doing those hill repeats in the heat and I did it and I did it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that helps them get over the hump. In I that did it and day. I survived. I didn't die and it was over. So that involves pushing yourself physically and mentally in your training in small doses. You can't go out and try to PR your neighborhood 5k every three days, but once or twice a week, you go out and do a tempo run or intervals or hill repeats or a fast finish run where for a very short period, you put yourself in that frame of mind. Yeah. And I think in, in marathon training, we, we do all kinds of simulations because in the 5k it's just really that last five or six minutes yeah in a marathon it can be the last hour. hour yeah so i want to put you in some version of the dark place mm-hmm. in your marathon training not every day not every weekly long run but yeah. in that last six or eight weeks we want to put we want to simulate the last five mm-hmm. or 10k of that race and we do that by we, long we, tempo runs long tempo runs uh fast finish, finish long runs where you mm-hmm. run your normal long run and then i can't have you run 26 miles to feel the trauma but at the end of your 20 mile run those push those last two miles until you're yeah. at pace at pace yeah. and you're hurting mm-hmm. and when you get there think about race day and relax and work on your form cues yeah. and breathe deeply and just focus on getting to the next street light or the next stop light or the next aid station yep it's it's really not fun and it's certainly not pretty pushing yourself to the edge, but goodness, it makes race day easier. It just gives you confidence. You can do it. You know, you've hit these paces, you've done the workouts. So when you show up and you toe the line, it's all there. All yeah. the tools are there. The work is done. Now you just got to do it. Yeah. And it, it it's always going to be hard. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to make you a little stronger Yeah, so that you can withstand that the, the, the man and woman winning the race they're hurting just as much in the last half mile they've just trained themselves to hold form and hold pace mm-hmm. and push i think a lot i think especially newer runners think that oh i'm going to train for six months and then the 5k or the 10k is not going to be as hard at the end <laughs> <laughs> oh it is you're just on pace that, well you know or you're just you're not racing it if it's not hard, then oh, you're, right. you're not racing it. Right. Now, those of you out there who just like to show up and jog it with your friends, well, they're probably not listening to this podcast. Probably not. But that's okay. Yeah. If, if, that, if you're off the couch and you just want to go run that 5K socially. You want to walk it? High yes. five. Let's Do have it. a beer at the end. But everybody else, you're going to you're gonna have to push. You want to talk about some of our 5Ks? Get some <laughs> stories from the road? I'll start with a funny one if you want me to. Yeah, absolutely. So last summer... I was running a 5K in July. <laughs> and I was coming off of an injury. I broke my tailbone last May. So this was, what, two months after I broke my tailbone. Like, straight up fractured my tailbone. And I was using 5K summer racing to kind of 
motivate myself and get back into it. And we had talked about my paces for this certain race. And I went out at that pace that I should have. I was being smart. And it was July 3rd. And it was miserable. And it was so hot. (laughs) I got to mile two and I was off pace. And I literally was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop. I'm going to step off the course. My daughter was behind me. I knew she was running. I was like, I'll just step off and I'll wait for her. This race is just out. But I had on a can't stop endurance shirt. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't. So I sucked it up and I finished the last mile. I suffered through it. It was ugly as all get out. But I did it. That's what you're right. Accountability comes in many forms. Sometimes it's in the form of your company name on your (laughs) t-shirt. Your (laughs) t-shirt. There was no way that I could stop. I did. I remember myself looking down. I was like, oh, I can't stop. Yeah. I think, I think 5Ks, you just have to learn. Uh, I, I just have so many recollections of getting to that last five minutes mm-hmm. is where you're, you're on the edge of oxygen mm-hmm. deprivation and your legs are numb. Mm-hmm. Your fingers are tingling. You're getting tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. You're getting those little sparkles around the edge of your vision because you're just on the edge. And races where I have 50 times in the last mile said, oh, just back off. You can't catch that guy. Your place is secured here. So just, just, and then in the next split second, told myself, no, no, no. You got to go. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Stand up straight, shoulders down, quick feet. Let's go. Let's push, push, push. And the times when I'm able to overcome that is when... You have the PRs or mm-hmm. you move up a place in your age group yep. versus those other times that I don't know how many, how the, what the ratio is, but those other times where you give in. Yeah. I definitely gave in that day. I look ahead and that guy or gal is 30 seconds ahead and I look behind me and there's somebody 40 we all seconds know, back. We all know who's in our age group. We've seen the people. And right. so we can kind of glance around and say, oh, I'm okay today. I'm not catching her and he's not catching me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to cruise on in here. Yeah. And then I'll, what happens after that? I always kick myself. Yeah, because it's a test of self. It's not about the person in front of you, the person behind you. It's about you. I gave up. Yeah, I gave up. So I work for me personally. I like to work on that during my tempo runs. Mm-hmm. When that, you know, you, if you pace a tempo run just right, yeah, it gets reasonably difficult in the Mm -hmm. last little bit and I always go back to those memories of those races Mm -hmm. and try to tell myself okay this is that point in the race don't 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 let off the throttle a bit yeah run and just just stay on pace stay on pace and that's where you hone that skill and then the next time I'm out there in that position Mm -hmm. in that race I recall that okay I didn't I didn't give up the more you don't give up in training yeah the less likely you are to give up in the race if you give up in the training over and over and over again yeah. There's no race day magic. And I think that's how, because I PR'd in the 5K back in January, and that's how I did it. I had some extra suffering that was going on that day, but I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But um, I had done so many workouts with you in tempo runs that when I showed up that day, I was like, if I don't PR, this is on me. Like, I've done the work. It's here. Let's do this. So when I, that first mile hit exactly what I should, and it was hard. It was a, it was flat, but it was hard to hold that pace on a very flat course. To me, I always find it easier to kind of do the rolling hills where you got to think about it a little bit more, or you actually don't have to think about it as much. Flat, you know, you've got to go through the cues a lot. I feel like you do. And I was cruising along in mile two, and it was hard, and my legs were hurting, and I slipped, and I fell, and I totally banged my knee up, and I was pissed. 
because I knew that I could PR. So I've had my own, the suffering just from running the 5K. I didn't even look at my knee. I got up and took off. And the reason why I took off is because I had done a time trial with for you maybe the month before and had blown it out of the water and was like, I know I can do this. And I flew that last mile and ended up PRing. Had blood running down my leg. <laughs> um, but I knew from the tempo runs and I also knew from that time trial that this was possible and I was not going to let that stop me. And it was a lot of suffering. So what kept you from pulling over to the curb and crying about your knee or limping in? Because you had, that you had all the excuses. Oh, yeah. You could so, ever, nobody would have blamed you for that. I could have easily stepped off and said, yeah, look at my knee. It literally was pouring blood because I had worked my butt off and I knew I could do it. I knew that day when I lined up, I was going to PR this race. You had all the work in the bank. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to start over. No, I didn't want to do it again. Because I was ready. And so I got up, didn't even look. Somebody was like, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm good. And I just, I remember just getting up and flying. Um, And I laid, had to lay out when I finished, but it was over and I'd done it. And it was so rewarding. You were in Sweden, I think. And I texted you. I was, I did it. I did it. (laughs) Because we've been working for two years on this. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are good. You had all the confidence and ammunition to draw on Mm -hmm. because you put yourself there in training and on the opposite end of that spectrum are the marathons and the ultra marathons where the suffering isn't for five minutes mm -hmm. it's for a day hours half a day Mm -hmm. overnight why don't you talk about that leadville because you're i mean i've done some 50ks but you've done some some hundred milers 50 milers yeah, that's a whole different game. It's a it's a slow burn mm-hmm. versus the boiling pot of the 5K. Yeah. And I think that was uh getting ready for that suffering. It, it was it's a steady diet of long uh-huh. miles in the heat, in the cold, in the dark. Yeah. Uh inventing hardships, mm-hmm. running on a hot, busy street running in a hilly technical mountain, mm-hmm. running on a muddy, yucky trail day when nobody else is out there. You're you're going out seeking to suffer. To suffer. I don't want the easy yeah. shaded um pine cone trail. Yeah. Oh, but I do. I do sometimes. But when you're trying to suffer You're trying to train for Leadville, going over Hope Pass twice. You are looking for the suffering. You're not going to make it if you don't. No. And it, and it, um, talk about dark places, Mm -hmm. right? You had to be ready for, uh, so I think back and that day in Leadville goes by, it really goes by quickly for a while. (laughs) The miles roll by, you get to the next aid station. It's sunny. It's beautiful. You're in the Rockies. It's not really hard yet if you're ready. But then you get to, for me, going the double crossing of Hope Pass at mile 50 cracked me in half. I've never been that despondent uh, out of it ever. And I kind of knew it was going to be like that, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. I remember standing there at one of the switchbacks on the backside and... You know, the switchback is like two feet of flat as you turn to go mm-hmm. keep climbing, <laughs> thinking, I, I, okay, I, I might die. 
and I'm looking around. Literally, I, I can picture it thinking, well, there's nowhere for the helicopter to land for them to airlift me out of here. So I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And yeah. it was just, it came down to the basics of, okay, just get one foot in front of the other. Because yeah. if we get over this hill, mountain, <laughs> the other side's a downhill and you can recover and you can eat and you can breathe. Yeah. And that was just a... That was probably a combination of all the suffering ever, physical, mental. Mm-hmm. Um, I came this far. I'm not going to quit. Um, there are people waiting on me. There are people tracking me. It was that, that was, yeah. that was where the motivation come from, mm-hmm. but it was some deep seated, just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Got over hope pass. Then the sun goes down. It gets dark. You lose all track of time. Mm-hmm. And the suffering just kind of layers on like blanket after blanket yeah. after blanket. And you're, you're left. That's why you have a pacer at that mm-hmm. point because you're not thinking. And you don't really know where you are. You, you don't know, know how far away you are from the next age station. It's everything is just, you're just out of it. You're in your pain cave mm-hmm. by yourself and you're not, that's all you think about is I just, I want to quit. I want to quit. I want to stop. If I just stop here, Mm -hmm. I could lay down on that rock and go to sleep. But that's why you have to have that pacer there. You have your pacer, you have your crew. Yeah. They're waiting on you. They revive you. And then we had another episode at mile 75. Temperature dropped on the valley floor as you come off the mountain. Um, I probably didn't. I I know I didn't make the right gear decisions in that moment, but it wasn't that cold. Mm -hmm. But for my body that it had been running for... 75 miles it dropped yeah went hypothermic frozen on the road and i remember standing there and my crew's trying to warm me up and i thought well that's how it ends yeah i literally and they put me in the warming tent and i'm sitting by the fire and they're doing the cutoff countdown the the aid station captain is and i'm like in my head i'm like well we gave it a good shot yeah i was done i was like oh that bed's gonna be so good (laughs) And my crew is rubbing my shoulders and warming me, feeding me soup. And all of a sudden, Marshall reached down and grabs me by the, basically the collar of the blanket that was in, picks me up and says, we're out of here. Start walking. And the next thing I know, we're walking. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I get goosebumps talking about it. It's not over. Yeah. And Brandon was my pacer at that point, And he marches me over Sugarloaf Pass. And, mm-hmm. and I'm really thinking, oh my God, we're... We're, go- we're it's doing not this. Over. <laughs> we get up and over, and then the sun comes up, and it's day two, and uh, I can't, I can't hardly run. Yeah. I can hardly step over a rock. It was, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. But I, I just was listening to my pacers. Yeah. And then we get to the last stretch, and we finish, and it's uh, glorious and devastating, and All the, the highest high, mm-hmm. the lowest lows, and I laid down on the grass of the courthouse and cramped up immediately and said, you got to pick me back up. So looking back at that suffering from when I was hypothermic on the road to when I finished, mm-hmm. se- I told the story just like that. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. That was seven hours. Oh, wow. Seven hours from hypothermic yeah. on the road. They revived me over Sugarloaf all the way yeah. back into town with seven more hours. That's stuff. That's, that's suffering. That's detaching from the moment and just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. So now I've always got that. Yeah. <laughs> I've always nothing that will burned in my brain. Nothing will ever be that hard. But that was the only option. Yeah. Because when you, when you go do, I think when you go do anything, 
standing on line, standing on that starting line in Leadville, my, the only thought was I'll be back here in the morning to finish. Mm-hmm. Either they're going to take me out in an ambulance or something, but I, like that boxer, you're going to, you're going to have to knock me out yeah. to win this bout. And I think that's how you have to line up and you have to, so you have to prepare yourself for that suffering yeah. in the training. And we did so much <laughs> crazy stuff to get ready for that race. Nighttime yeah. races, uh, camps where we ran three days in the Rockies yeah. and running in the mud and running in the heat and running in the middle of the day during June and July in the South, just to ratchet up that degree of difficulty yeah. so that the suffering of the race was familiar when we got there. Okay. Man, I can't even imagine that type of suffering. It was ugly. It was, ugly. <laughs> it was a dark, dark place. But now, now we, we go back out and we crew other people at, at yes. Leadville mm-hmm. and at other ultras. And we know what to expect. We know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And you can see the look in their eyes. And you can, you, you can, everybody's happy the mm-hmm. first 50 miles. Yeah. But you, boy, you can see it in the eyes when they're coming back in. They're, they are not there. Yeah. And you just do everything you can do. Mm-hmm. It, I, I know, I know, I've been there. Yeah. I know that look. Mm-hmm. I, I know that suffering. Mm-hmm. And you just, you can't coddle them. No. You can't give in and go, oh, no, it hurts so much. No, no, no. See, it Here, hurts. Let's go. Let's go. Here we go. Put, a, push a, put your hand in their back and just push them along. Because it's amazing what you can do if you just, just keep going. Yeah. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. So train the body, train the mind, put yourself in small little bouts of difficulty mm-hmm. so that you're ready on race day when it gets difficult. Yep. Don't let that be a shock to your system. Yep. All right. Learning to suffer. Lessons from the road. Good lessons for the road. Great lessons. It's one of my favorite topics. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you guys have gotten some good tips out of our podcast today as we are starting. Actually, in Memphis, we started last night. Well, the summer racing series that you can take some of those lessons and apply them and trust your coach when we put you through these hard workouts. You know, we get the mean text, but there's a purpose. There's a reason for all of it. So that's it for today. So please go to iTunes and hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review. You can always reach out to us at coach at canstopendurance.com. And we're on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as we say around here, run smart, train hard, and race fast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.